0: These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
2: Just knowing that who knows how long he kept her, who knows how long she was tortured for, and who knows how he finally disposed of her. And it just really sits poorly with you when you think about somebody you know that went through that. I mean, this isn't Somebody's shot, killed instantly. This isn't somebody that was just stabbed. This is probably most females' worst fear of being abducted and held against their will in some sort of dungeon and raped repeatedly.
3: Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, of the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Billy Jensen next to Alexis Linkletter. And we have a very, very special guest with a very interesting first degree connection, Justin Evans from the Generation Y podcast. Welcome. Hey, how's
2: everyone doing tonight?
3: We're so happy to have you. I know. We haven't seen him since CrimeCon, which yeah. is where we all bonded. Yes, we met Justin at CrimeCon. Uh very drunken night. It wasn't the best night. <laughs> that was a good night. It was so much fun. It was like a <laughs> crime con podcast conglomerate, drunken conglomerate, and it was it was interesting. It was joyful. Yeah.
2: I think it was uh it was my meetup with True Crime Garage. I think it was the the meetup. Oh, was, oh it right. was that a yeah, meetup? We, meet like, we just crashed. We it just time. crashed. Yeah. We <laughs> thought it
3: was just like a fun.
2: No. Bar. Like, everyone's yeah. at the same bar. Cool. Yeah. <laughs>
3: like,
1: you know, it's a true crime. Uh, garage. <laughs> we're supposed to have the captain on, too. Yeah, yeah.
3: one day. We're coming for you. We're coming Fat for hands. you, Captain. <laughs> captain Fat <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's really funny. That was an actual meetup for you guys yeah. that we crashed.
2: Yeah. I was, was wondering
3: why there were so many fans there. <laughs> Were there a lot of fans there?
2: Yeah. I mean, they were all there to see us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not us. Okay. Yeah, tight. Okay. Nobody knew who we were. That's awesome. Okay. And we haven't planned this with our uh, celebrity guest, Justin, here, but it is our year anniversary of starting our podcast. 52 episodes.
2: 52. We're one year old. Do you guys actually do one a week?
1: Yeah. Like record one a week? We actually do. We've never missed a single week.
2: My God, we only do like 40 a year. You do?
1: So does <laughs> Billy on Murder Squad. I'm like, Murder how did Squad we do this? Yes, we
2: yeah. do. No, Alexa's like 52. Let's do it. I am like, all right.
1: I don't think I thought
3: there was an option to not. I don't know I like how to we miss do- an episode. Because Keep it going. We're the, already on a roll.
1: Yeah. The first
4: he's oh needed. The oh
3: firsties are need gonna us. Oh, yeah. They're first. Do you guys have a name for your listeners?
2: Um, Jen Winos or something. Oh, Jen Winos <laughs> is solid. I love
3: that. We had this like ongoing debate on what our listeners would be called, yeah. and it is. We, I mean, we think it's the firsties, mm-hmm. but we still, she hates it. Billy likes it. i just I'm so obvious.
4: You know what though? They sometimes have to the be best, obvious. Sometimes Alexis. the best things are obvious.
3: The path of least resistance, bitch. Okay, first use it is. Um, it's all also uh, Billy Jensen's post birthday. We have decorated our little
4: studio with uh,
3: Batman, Batman,
1: Batman
4: decorations. Stuff. With Batman decorations. Thank you so much, ladies. This is wonderful. Yes. And, and Batman cupcakes. I-,
3: I want you to eat all of those. You're I, will,
4: I will eat all of those.
2: And I brought you candied cigarettes. And you brought me candy cigarettes, too. <laughs> and a
3: Mickey Mouse card. And which a, Mi- is so and a nice. Mickey Mouse
2: card. I thought because... that you were
3: literally walking in with a pack of reds. And he's like, oh, like, wow. This guy Does Midwest. Around, <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> so it's August fourteenth, and let me tell you what what today is. What's What's today? It's National Wiffle Ball Day. Ooh. And boring. As with these, I like to I like to search for. All right, was there ever ever a murder with a wiffle ball? Leave it to Reddit to t- to, to to for somebody to ask. Can you beat someone to death with a wiffle ball bat? <laughs> and Comatose sixty answered. This is five years ago. That soft plastic won't leave concussions, but you could break a nose and have the victim drown on their blood. Oh. And then he goes on for about another, you know, three paragraphs on whether you can
2: actually kill somebody with a ball bat or not. Leave it to Reddit. I think if you gave a wiffle ball bat or dropped one off in a prison, you could figure it out real quick. Oh,
4: yes.
3: All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down
1: the lights and turn up your anxiety.
4: Because this could be you.
1: The Interstate 29 in Kansas City is a road that connects people all across the state. And the paths of both friends and strangers cross constantly. And every once in a while, due to a cosmic shuffling of the deck, they collide. Crystal Kipper had just turned 18 and was enjoying her first days as an adult. She loved to have fun and she loved to drive her friends around In her 1989 Ford probe on the weekends. On February 24th of 1997, Crystal was making a late night run down the interstate like she had many times before. But on this night, her car would run out of gas and she would vanish from the highway and seemingly off the face of the earth. Today's case focuses on the concept of fate, chance and coincidence, or whatever respective term you choose. But it's always evident for better or worse, in all of our lives, each
3: and every day. So here's what Crystal did in the hours before she vanished. First, she drove down to the town of St. Joseph to pick up her friend, Jay Sampson. The two of them picked up two other friends and then trekked to Crown Center Mall at around 11 p.m. Why that mall? Jay had never seen the waterfall or rocked around the skywalk, which is what this mall was known for. They checked out the sites and they went ice skating at the rink that they had at the mall, which is amazing. I wish my whole mall had a
2: nice rink. Also,
1: Justin, have you been to this mall?
2: Oh, all the time. What
1: Did is you go small, ice skating? What's the deal with this mall?
2: Uh, it's, it's an old school mall. So it's a tall building. It's, you know, probably five or six stories tall. Yeah. And then each floor is, you know, shops and whatever. And the food court's down on the bottom floor. You walk across the street and then there's this huge ice skating rink with a cover over it. They also have concerts there. And they have a Ooh, fountain. They yeah. have a
1: fountain, right?
2: Yeah, it's the city of fountains, yeah. so there's oh, fountains everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> I, to, I,
1: I wish know.
3: that you could see his eye roll
1: with the fountains. I so I yeah. many fountains.
4: I used to go to the ice rink that's in the bowling alley. That uh-huh. one ice rink in the bowling alley in Kansas City. You know oh, know what yeah. I'm talking about? yeah. 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 That's yeah. Like, it's like the Flintstones ice rink. Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh, so many ice rinks. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a little, cool mall. So little time. All right, so they're at the mall. They stayed until midnight before heading back to Kansas City, and that's where Crystal drove to a gas station on the North Oak Trafficway.
4: And there, Crystal pointed out a cute guy. But she was afraid that her friends would tease her if she stopped to talk to him, so she sped away without buying gas. And on the way to drop Jay off in St. Joseph, the low fuel warning light on Crystal's Ford probe lit up. But Crystal assured her friends it's all good. She knew she got good mileage on it, she knew her car. And she refused Jay's offer to buy gas for her. She thought she was good. And she had also miscalculated before, and she had a AAA card. And three times in the last two years, she had run out of gas and called AAA to come and bring her gas.
1: So this is something that she would do in terms of just, I do this. I'm
3: like, ah, my service engine light's
1: been on for a year. (laughs) I was literally
3: talking about this this weekend because I always drive on empty. Always. Mm -hmm. And I never I push realized. it
1: until I'm like, oh, I'll do it the next exit. I always just put it off. Yeah.
2: So, something about this uh, North Oak Traffic Way is where the high school kids would go cruise Interesting. at night uh, because there's nothing, at least back in the 1990s, nothing for teenagers to do in this town if you're not 21. Oh, I So, they would go to the, the Hardys or the Dennys or the whatever, park in the parking lot, meet up with other people, figure out somewhere to go, party, drink, all that stuff.
1: So Crystal then at the end of the night decides to drop everybody off and Jay is dropped off in St. Joseph, which is about 50 miles north. And it was 2 a.m. when she dropped him off. And when he got out of the car, he said to Crystal, if she didn't call him by 3 a.m. that he was going to call her and she lived in an apartment with her mother. So I'm going to call your place at 3 a.m. if I don't hear from you. But unfortunately, as one is to do, as I would do, and Jacqueline, who sit, doesn't stay up past 10 p.m., 3 a.m., it's hard to stay up. He He fell asleep before he had a chance to call and before he could hear a call from Crystal. So Crystal never called. And she actually would never speak to anyone that she knew again. OK, so we're back in the 90s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what was this place like? Like there's no cell phones, you know what I mean? Really, Um, this is this giant interstate, like you guys are the same age, you might be a year or so.
2: I'm I'm two years older than her.
1: Right, so what was, paint a picture of this scene, and you Mm -hmm. already started based on just like the cruising on that one street and all of that.
2: Uh, Kansas City, I mean, you have to realize that uh, crime actually was spiking up until about 1995, and then it started to dip back, back down. So Kansas City was kind of a rough area, Uh, up into the mid-90s, but it was still small. You had the, you know, you have six degrees of people. Everyone knew someone, and so it was like, oh, do you know Alexis? Yeah, yeah, she goes to that Oak Park school, and I know her sister, whatever. So everyone kind of knew each other, but it wasn't a small town. I mean, it's got half a million people in it. My sophomore year, I got kicked out of the high school I was at, and what
3: you bad do? Boy I
2: was living out of the district, but I wasn't a good student either. So <laughs> they gave other students like, "Hey, you can finish out your high school career here, but me, they're like, "You are gone." <laughs> uh, so I was, I, bad, I was a bad kid too. So my junior year, I started at North Kansas City High School. And because I was from a different school, as a junior or senior, I had to be mixed in with freshmen and sophomores because of the you know the curriculum whatever, and uh, I got uh, to take a creative writing class and a philosophy class, and I you know you go in you sit down and there's no assigned seats but everyone just kind of starts going to the same seat every right. day and then that becomes your seat. I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any friends, so I'm sitting in the back center of the class, and this really attractive. Cheerleader girl sits down next to me, and I don't know the difference between cheerleader and pom-pom squad. I have no idea. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, it's
3: not. It's not. <laughs> Pom squad and cheerleaders are different. I mean, I, I well, maybe it's not. It depends, I guess, on where you are. Yeah.
2: I yeah. So she's sitting next to me, and you know, she just keeps sitting there every day. And I'm like, okay, but I'm a total skate punk loser, long hair. You know, don't even brush my hair. Probably look like a slob, and she's very pristine. She's, you know, this gorgeous blonde, just you know, strawberry blonde. I'm like, she's never going to talk to me, <laughs> ever. Uh, but, you know, a few days, you know, she starts. We just strike strike up conversations, and the one day that it kind of dawned on me that she was cool <laughs> was. I was like, what kind of music do you listen to? Because I'm really into music. I was really into, you know, just punk, metal, you know, goth, all that stuff. And, you know, if somebody said, I'm into Backstreet Boys, I'm like, okay. You can
3: go. Um, I take yeah. a, a <laughs> as a Backstreet Boys super fan.
2: <laughs> uh, but she was really into Frank Sinatra and mm. that genre of music. Wow. Dean Martin and all that, the Rat Pack. And so... We started talking about that. And I'm like, well, that's different. Wasn't expecting that from her. Yeah. Uh, And then she went on to tell me that she would sneak out at night, joyride her parents' car around, and listen to Frank Sinatra in the car, like on a cassette tape. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I never asked her to come pick me up because she kind of made it sound like this was her time. This is what she would do. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's I feel different. like
1: Sinatra is like the great equalizer, where it's like, <laughs> who hates Sinatra? Like, yeah, f- genre, you know, whatever subcultures. It's kind of like a very palatable music for
3: many people. Yeah. Well, and it shows some kind of a sophistication.
1: Definitely
4: if
3: somebody is into Sinatra.
2: He's the chairman of the board.
3: Definitely. So, what else did you guys like? What
2: else? She told me that she didn't really care for any of her friends. Me- meaning her cheerleader friends mm-hmm. and because she just said they just weren't very deep. They didn't have much substance to them. So she had other friends and she actually hung out with some of the people that I knew, which there would be the, the drama kids or the, you know, less than desirable people, <laughs> whatever. Well, and she would hang out with lady. them. Yeah. Um, and we would just talk and we talked every day. And she was like the only person I talked to really for like my junior and senior year. Um, but I I was in uh, the army and I joined my junior year and they had this thing called split ops. So I did basic training between my junior and senior year and then I came back and did my advanced training because my mom forced me. Anyways. <laughs> oh, I
1: had no idea you were in the
2: army. Yeah, I was forced in. But,
3: uh, <laughs> oh, Hi mom. Conversation.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh but you know just once she told me about sneaking out and just wanting to disappear in her car listening to Sinatra it's like that kind of set the tone for me if she's this free spirit she thinks different she's not the normal cheerleader girl that you think she is and i kind of just took a snapshot of that and i was just held on to that which that kind of plays in later when this all goes down you know it was my senior year when i was about to take off for uh, advanced training she made me a mixtape to send me on my way. Oh my god, I love that! Mm-hmm. And uh, so it had—it was Frank Sinatra on both sides because you know two sides of the tape. And then the—it
3: <gasps> w- was a real mixtape.
1: Yes, it was <laughs> yes. a tape.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is 1995 when I graduated. Sorry, I'm dating myself <laughs> here. Uh, but the last song was uh, "Don't You Forget About Me" by Simple Minds, which—that's really fucking sad.
1: When did you hear she went missing?
2: After my senior year, I go to advanced training, which is a year. I'm gone for a year. So 1995 to 1996. And I come back. And oddly enough, she called me out of the blue. And I talked to her on the phone. And she's like, how you been? I'm like, pretty good. Why are you calling me? It's been like a year. And one of the mutual friend we had had my number. So they called me talked to her briefly. And then like a month later, that same friend calls me up and says, have you heard from Crystal? I was like, no. She said, well, she's missing. I was like, what are you talking about? She's missing. She's like, we haven't heard from her in several days. And I'm thinking, you know, how were you in high school? People remember how you were 10 years ago, whatever. And they just think you haven't progressed from there. I was very dismissive of... When she went missing, because I just assumed she's kind of a free spirit. She's Mm. a little flighty. She sneaks out at night, goes on joyrides. Like maybe she just went off grid for a while. And I was so dismissive. I was like, nothing's wrong with her. She can fend for herself. And I had this conversation with our mutual friend and she was like, no, something's wrong. And she knew because Crystal and her talked all the time. And she knew that Crystal wouldn't drop off the map, whereas I didn't. And so I I feel bad to this day that I was so dismissive of nothing's happened. But up until that point in my life, I hadn't experienced anything like this. You don't think someone gets abducted and killed and dumped somewhere. That's just not part of most people's, you know, zeitgeist. But sadly, you know, when every when everybody else hears that song, Don't You Forget About Me, they think The Breakfast Club. Uh And I don't now. I think of Crystal. So Crystal has gone missing,
4: and her mother goes out looking for her, and she finds her abandoned car the next morning, and its battery is dying, the hazard lights are blinking, and the keys are gone, and Crystal's gone. So the search really kicks into high gear, and it's frantic. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to check any service stations or wreckers in the area to see if she got a ride, and also call up any um, you know, cab companies, anybody that might have picked her up. The police also search the area on foot and by helicopter. They do a grid search. They bring in dogs and search the nearby Platte River. They get nothing. So, you know, they put out a, um, a message to people. Have you seen Crystal? She's wearing a dark green shirt, lucky brand jeans, a denim coat, and she's wearing a diamond cluster ring with a gold band. Her friends and her mother, they pass out flyers all over the area pleading for help. Even Crystal's Sunday school teacher took her picture to the businesses
2: near, around where her Ford probe was, was found. I finally started seeing billboards up on the highway with her face. And then it became this huge news story. And they were just, I saw her parents talking on, on camera, I saw friends, and it was the number one news story in Kansas City when it happened my memory's very vague and very you know clouded about this, but uh, my friend Adam and I had taken a trip up to Omaha, Nebraska just on a whim, and uh, I'm sure there was some concert going on or something that we wanted to go up there, so uh, that day that she went missing, we had been driving up i29 to Omaha but the sun was going down so it was probably around six o'clock and we were driving north and she would have been driving back from St. Joe so she was south and I think she was it was two in the morning Mm -hmm. I missed her by what seven eight hours but still that's a weird time frame to be driving on the same stretch of highway that she would have gone missing.
1: It's a popular stretch of highway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Had you heard of any murders or disappearances off this stretch, like truck drivers, anything before?
2: Uh, St. Joe, Missouri is kind of a weird place. Yeah. And you have the uh, Glore Psychiatric Museum there that if you're ever in that godforsaken town, go visit that museum. It's incredible. Uh, but no, I hadn't heard about that. And it's really safe. I mean, it's country, but it's safe.
3: All right. So who is Crystal? Crystal's mom explained that her daughter was a rebellious teenager, like many of us were, but she had recently rediscovered her faith. Um, before that, she always wanted to make money, whether it was for clothes, for her traffic tickets, and down the road, ultimately, for college. And after her 18th birthday, she started dancing at a place called Zigfield's, but she quit when her mother asked her to. After she quit dancing, she made some more positive changes in her life. She was getting back on track. She started going to church and began w- working double shifts at a restaurant called Tippin's.
2: I worked there.
1: You, you did?
2: did? <laughs> wow. Stop it. Did you not know she worked at Tippin's? No. I had wow. no you didn't? idea.
1: She Whoa. was working there when this happened.
2: Wow. Tell I, uh, us. I was, I was the sandwich guy. <gasps> I would make the sandwiches at Tippin's. And you, you did I only worked Fridays, Saturdays. I only work weekends.
1: Dude, so. Sandwich guy is a guy I want to be friends <laughs> with. Sandwich artist.
2: They fired me. <laughs> <laughs> if you had
3: stayed at Tippin's, Lord, this, your Generation Y may have never happened. No, I know. Um, so not only was Crystal getting her life back out on track, but she was making plans. At the time she disappeared, she'd met a young man at a gospel service and was planning a trip to Springfield, Missouri to meet up with him. And she was about to start taking jazz and tango dance lessons.
2: She she was very fit. I mean, and she was just very in shape and beautiful. So I can understand why she went on to be a dancer because She she had it. She probably was the best looking woman there.
1: So, in the days following the investigation, eventually a truck driver actually came forward, and he was on the interstate that same day, the same night, actually, of Crystal's disappearance. And he ended up coming forward and he drove for the Associated Foods Company and he drove a big truck for them. And he said along his route, just after 2.34 a.m., which would have been 34 minutes after she dropped her friend Jay off, he saw a car with its hazards lights flashing on the side of the road and sitting on the southbound shoulder of the interstate was a woman trying to flag down traffic with a stalled car and he said that she appeared to be stressed out and concerned the truck driver continued saying that he could see for a moment a second car pulling over and backing up on the ramp towards the stranding car stranded car with this woman but unfortunately at the time the truck driver saw this on the side of the road it was kind of just an inconsequential blip on his radar A disabled car on a road shoulder is a very commonplace thing to see. So he could not provide the police with any information in terms of make model license plate or description of that elusive second vehicles
3: driver. And this was in the spot where Crystal's car was ultimately found. So with this development, police were sure that Crystal had been abducted and it's most likely by a stranger. But other than this info from the truck driver, the police were out of clues, they were out of leads, and the case was kind of at a standstill. And February turned into March, then into spring, and then into summer. Were you being kept
1: up to date as like the months flew on?
2: I, I was paying attention, and uh, which is very interesting because there's a lot of information that you guys have that I did not have. And I was living through it. I was watching all the news stories on it. Uh, The rumors were you should be checking all of the sexual offenders in that area and knocking on their doors.
1: They should have been, actually. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, that was one thing that was coming out at that point. Uh, But nothing. Nobody had any leads. It sank in with me when I saw that first billboard on the side of the highway with her face on it. That's when I knew, oh, she's gone. And that billboard didn't go up right away. Because the family, you know, took time for them to get all this together. So at that point, it's you see her face on the billboard. You know, she's missing and it's been so long. You know, she's probably dead.
3: So the police were continuing their investigation into Crystal's disappearance, but it had gone cold. But that was about to change. On the afternoon of July 14th, the police got a call from a woman and what she had to say was straight out of nightmares she said that she had been abducted on the 4th of july been held captive tied to a bed and beaten and tortured she thankfully had managed to escape when her captor went to work the police met the 27 year old woman who we will refer to as joanne which is not her real name and she recounted her experience from start to finish
4: So Joanne was standing on the corner of Truman Road and Indiana Avenue at about 1.30 a.m. on July 4th when a man drove up and he was driving in a two-colored, two-door car. He drove up to her, he opened the passenger door, grabbed her arm, and pulled her inside. When she was inside, he took off her shoelaces and used them to tie her hands together. And he drove her to a place that she couldn't identify, pulls her out of the car, and stuffs her into the trunk, and he drove the car into a parking garage, and then from there he put her in this large cardboard box, and then he taped the cardboard box shut, and he placed the box on a cart, then he wheeled her inside an apartment.
2: What the hell? I just knew the girl had been abducted. And, you didn't know and anything. And she asked. escaped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once in
4: the apartment, he unties her. You know, unties her shoelaces from her hands and he ties her to a bed with a black strap he wraps duct tape around the knots in the strap to further secure them so she's really just tied to that bed and he puts a piece of duct tape over her mouth and he pushes her head against the bed's headboard and locked her into the headboard using a padlock a wire cable and a bicycle chain
1: Okay, so let's actually. I mean, I see those words on the page, but locking someone's head to a head a headboard using a cable, bicycle chain, and a padlock. Yeah. He's tying this woman's head and locking it like like yeah, like she, a, a neck shackle mm-hmm. against a a headboard, which is nuts.
2: She's shackled mm-hmm. to the headboard. No, board. she can't. Oh, that's she insane. she can't move.
1: Oof. So. He then secured the rest of her body to the bed using a light chain wrapped in duct tape. And she remained there for 10 days. And he would drug her with pills when he left for work. And every day he would threaten to inject her with battery acid. And every day he raped Joanne at least once as she lay there tied to the bed. And he told her in one instance why he had abducted her. And he said, I'm tired of women telling me no. I'm going to do it my own way now. And one day he took a video of her. Another day he held an object to the back of her head and told her it was a bomb. He also told her the ways he could kill her and dump her body. He even told her that once he disposed of her, friends and family would live with futile hopes that she would return. On one of the days, he also taped her hands together in front of her body. And on this particular day, Joanne managed to wiggle out of the restraints and escaped, and she was free. She knows that when she ultimately goes to the police, she will be able to describe her abductor. He was white. He was 6'2". He was 175 pounds. He had short brown hair, blue eyes, a thick mustache, and he had a ball cap with the AT&T emblem, on it but before she left she needed to do something that would ultimately be truly heroic she needed to know the monster's name and she searched around the apartment and finds a checkbook and also some medication with his name and address on it she goes to the police and tells them that the name of the man who attacked her is john e williams all day long
0: they came uniformed officers homicide detectives crime scene investigators. For 11 hours, police hauled evidence out of the Walnut Tower apartments. I left here about uh, 10.30, and when I came back, they were still here. On my way up or down, I would take a peek out on 6, only to see, you know, an entourage of police surrounding the door, mm-hmm. as well as in the lobby. Yeah, so kind of strange, huh? Yeah, it looks like something big. He was, in my opinion, a real weird-looking character that just Came and went quite a bit, most of the time, on a bicycle. Only police may know just how big. The man arrested, Johnny Williams, is a 37-year-old prior sex offender. Paroled in 1992 after serving 11 years in prison, he now faces 10 counts of rape, one count of kidnapping.
3: And the fact that she thought about going to find his name when he could have came back at any time is insane.
1: Right. And, and, you know, just the bureaucracy of like law enforcement and all of that. It's like, you can be like, this guy yeah. abducted me. We know where the apartment is. He could clear out.
4: Absolutely. Right. He could
1: Clear out and disappear and changes. Like, you know, if he, if you don't know the name, it's a lot more difficult.
4: This was so heroic. Think about this. You, she is in a living hell right now. 10 days drugged, raped, beaten, you know, shackled. And she has the wherewithal to not just run, but say, I've got to know who this guy is and where I am. Yeah. And then, you know, which which took a while. You got to rifle through stuff and just figure out who this is before you oh get out of there.
1: And it's crazy. I didn't actually type up the actual sequence of events after she escaped. She actually took a bus to a friend to a friend's bar because it's the only like address she knew. And she said in this article, she said that she took a shot of Jack Daniels and she had a beer and she told the bartender who was her friend what happened. And he's like, call the fucking cops. And she's like, they're not going to believe me. Oh, my oh. God. And.
2: Can you, can, you, can know, you blame her?
1: No, but the police believed her
2: uh at the time she escaped and they'd uh, and she'd reported this, the rumor was that she ran out of his apartment, with no clothes on, and she had a like a chain around her throat, and she ran down the street and flagged somebody down, but that was the rumor. And it's a pretty horrific image in your head. But if she had time to go find his name, she had time to find her clothes and leave.
3: Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality
1: meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off.
3: Okay, so the police have the name of this monster, and they knew which apartment he lived in. Johnny Williams lived on the sixth floor at Walnut Tower Apartments. The police obtained a warrant, and they got a passkey to William's apartment from the manager, and they entered while he was asleep. They awoke him and arrested him without incident. He was charged with 13 counts of rape, sodomy, kidnapping, and assault, and was held on a million dollars bail. The arrest went smoothly, and it looked like to be a pretty open and shut case, but this will hardly be the case.
4: So the police interviewed his neighbors, One of them said, yeah, he played his stereo very loud much of the time. He would ride down the elevator with her, uh, and he always had his bicycle. She said she heard nothing unusual from the apartment over the last 10 days, and she said she felt guilty. If I would have heard her, I would have called, but I never heard her. They talked to people close to Williams and learned that only hours after Joanne's escape... Williams goes to his ex-girlfriend's house and he's shaking, sweating, and sick. And she said he was acting really weird, more than normal. And he told her, the only way out of this for me is... And then he pointed his index finger to his head and pulled the trigger.
1: The fact that women date this guys beyond me. So, inside John Williams' apartment... The police are looking for items that will implicate him in this abduction rape kidnapping case with Joanne. They're looking for padlocks, they're looking for the bicycle chains, they're looking for semen, just evidence of this rape. But what they find, as they're rummaging through his belongings of this disgusting individual, they find a surprise. So they find a woman's diamond cluster ring a dark green women's mock turtleneck and a pair of Lucky You brand jeans and the keys to a 1989 Ford probe. They also found a tattered missing persons flyer of Crystal Kipper. And on top of all of this, they find Crystal Kipper's ID card and a pay stub. These police officers were the same who worked Crystal Kipper's case, may have just accidentally stumbled upon the man responsible for Crystal's disappearance.
0: The biggest break, however, came when police found clothing and identification belonging to Crystal Kipper. Kipper, the Gladstone teen, has been missing since February without a trace. With today's discovery, she is presumed dead. I would classify this as a very significant break for us at this point. What else police found inside the man's apartment is still a mystery tonight. But if what neighbors saw is any clue, it may take quite some time before the full magnitude of today's arrest takes hold. As police go through... Every possession he's got. uh, Cameras,
1: the whole nine yards. Justin. Enter Justin.
2: When this came out, it was it was a bomb being dropped. Uh, you know, you heard about this one woman escaping, and then you got the typical uh, neighbor's reactions. Uh, one of the neighbors actually, I just remember a blip of the news thing saying, he was weird, he didn't talk to me. And even going so far as to say, he would grunt or make dog barking noises at people. Oh
1: my God. I saw one thing about a doc. Uh, so I saw a, an article where it's like their tip line was set up and they got a few things about him being uh, barking at people. That is
3: weird.
2: Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't know if that was true, but obviously I saw so, the yeah. news article. <clears throat>
1: separate more than you one. Saying one that. Yeah. Said yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: So I remember that. And at that point, I just thought, well, yeah, they got the right guy because he's so weird. But then again, you know. There's there's weird people out there. Is this the right guy? I think of the guy in uh, the John Benet Ramsey case, you know, that said he was you know was named James Carr or something. Mm-hmm. So I you know at the same time I'm like I think they got the right guy. And then they came out with her ID and all of her personal possessions. And at that point it was okay. Where is she? What did he do with her? And uh, the the initial reports I saw were he wasn't being very cooperative.
1: When you found out what he had done to this other woman, I mean, what is your, and then maybe Crystal could have met a similar fate. Like, how did that make you feel?
2: It, it just disgusted me because she was so nice and she was so just, she was that oddball kid that I liked in high school. And just knowing that who knows how long he kept her, who knows how long she was tortured for and who knows how he finally disposed of her and it just really sits poorly with you when you think about somebody you know that went through that i mean this isn't somebody's shot killed instantly this isn't somebody that was just stabbed this is probably most females worth, worst fear of being abducted and held against their will in some sort of dungeon and raped repeatedly where's Chris?
0: Uh,
3: so the police confronted williams about killing crystal and to their shock he admitted that he was responsible for her death but he had said it was an accident here's his story he was driving along the i-29 when something struck his windshield When he returned, he found the quote-unquote remains, and he panicked because he was a convicted sex offender, and he said he put the body in his car, backed up, and drove quote, forever to hell, and then he just disposed of her body. And when he was asked where he put Crystal's body, he replied cryptically, and he said it didn't matter because the remains were not on Earth, and she was now quote, part of the atmosphere.
4: So they've got a suspect now that's locked up on Joanne's kidnapping charges. So they have time and they can, they have time to build a case and build um, either a murder case or a responsible for being missing case against Williams for Crystal. So first they test the DNA on the clothes found in his apartment. Remember the green turtleneck and the lucky brand jeans. And yes, the clothes are found to be belonging to Crystal. But Williams denies that. He's still sticking with the story about the being hit by a car thing. But an expert tells police that damage to Crystal's clothes was, quote, consistent with a homicide, not someone having been struck by a car. So clearly, if she was struck by a car, why do you take her clothes off? Why do you have them in your apartment? This guy is bullshitting.
1: Justin, so the police looked into his background and they were trying to piece together the days following Crystal's disappearance. And remember, this is um July. So a number of months had passed and it's 97. So piecing together people's movements on certain days months prior is really difficult. But they were able to determine that he got his windshield replaced the day after.
2: Which initially that would go along with the story of I hit something on the highway Mm -hmm. and you know maybe they went over the hood. Hit the windshield, but there wasn't any other damage on his car. You know, when we get into the analysis of different cases, it's like, what was, where was the dent? Where was the scratch? You try to piece it all together. It was only the windshield that had damage to it. And they, I think they backtracked to the uh, auto body shop and found out that only the window windshield was replaced. And it looked as if somebody had been trying to kick their way out of the car. Oh, wow.
1: And not only that, what we have also is what the truck driver saw, which mm-hmm. is a car
2: Pulling encroaching
1: up. upon a woman um, in distress. So that could have been a different passerby who stopped first could and maybe kept fence, going, yeah. but probably not. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not.
2: And, and that's, the, that's the scary part. And when that was another reason why I was a little dismissive when they were saying she's missing. Because I was like, she can take care of herself. I knew she was a fighter. She tried.
1: So the police continued to press Williams for information. Because, I mean, they have this guy. They found this evidence. They want to know what he knows, what he's done, because obviously they're suspecting him now of Crystal's disappearance. And they wanted to convince him to lead them to Crystal's body. And... He was evasive at first, but he actually started coming around to it. So he did what criminals are want to do. They they said, yes, I will eventually lead you. He succumbed to it, and then he kind of just dicked them around and drove them around the city and said that ultimately he forgot. Yeah. Which, which really sucks.
4: And it happens a lot, too. These guys just want to get out of the cell.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Well, the thing is, leading them to the body would contradict his story because you know when they find the body it's not going to be vehicular homicide right mm-hmm. no it's just not
2: and when he made the comment uh she's in the atmosphere or whatever i just assumed that he burned her
1: i didn't even think
2: about yeah. that god do you think well that's how i interpreted it And again, that would go against his whole story.
3: So they did more searches of John's property, and they found that he had been collecting articles from the internet and videos from television news reports related to Crystal's disappearance. They also found a very large stash of pornography, and this is fucking disgusting. But he had spliced some of the porn videos, and he had cut in television news reports of Crystal's disappearance within them. And the police also... Brought in back a hoe to dig behind the print shop where he had worked because they had learned that he'd made some sort of a garden back there. But thankfully, that search yielded nothing.
2: I remember them digging behind there, and I, I had hoped that they had fa- would have found her. Sure.
4: Did you know about this porn videotape that am? No.
1: Oh, I want to have little like spurts of this That's exactly in what my porn. Yep. Yeah. 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 Like a sex, like, sexual yes. perversion. No, it's I just so keep it. Gross. yeah.
4: This fucking guy was getting off on this mm-hmm. over and over and over again. That's why he yeah. kept all of these trophies. And um, he, he created this system within, the, within these porn tapes and spliced her in there.
1: That's sick. So they learned, actually, that their suspect, John Williams, had, horror of horrors, been dating somebody. This woman said of him that he was quote a tender and gentle man but he could not perform sexually and he would often leave her home at 2 a.m huffing and puffing and angry about that serial killers who can't perform it's not good i'm not saying he's a serial killer but he he may be the idea that you would not be able to perform with your girlfriend forget crystal for a second Not actually, but forget the circumstances because we don't know them of her actual abduction. We know what he did do to another woman. Confinement, inciting fear and control. Like that is a man who, you know, that's kind of like their archetype. You see this with with Joe D'Angelo. This is what they did. binding, rape, inciting fear, like because they feel less than because he couldn't. Perform either well.
4: It's all fear and control. The
1: idea that he'd be having her turned over—this is a bomb on the back of your head. Yeah, that is such sadistic torture tactics.
2: Yeah. And that's the only way he can get off. Yeah. Um. I, the way I interpret it is, you know, you hear about people that kind of get addicted to porn. Yep. Uh. You know, you you're so involved with that, you can no longer be. In a regular relationship, you can no longer have a regular intimate sexual relationship because you've trained yourself this other way. Uh, i It's not the same, but it's a similar, to me, it's the similar disconnect from real life and he's having to get his rocks off in other ways because he can't do it in real life
1: totally even based on what we talked about with splicing her into the porn it's mm-hmm. like porn didn't do it i had to do this thing yeah. yeah and i have to have flashbacks to what i did into real porn yeah to like make it maybe work oh god
3: it's That's insane so fucking sick
4: there are also some things that police learned about William's past that we haven't talked about yet. And these revelations are the reason why the police were really liking him for Crystal's case. So in August 1975, the mother of six-year-old Murray Basher dropped Murray off, and also her other son, at a community swimming pool in Fort Leavenworth. She came back around 8.30 p.m. to pick the boys up, but Murray who was a three-foot, eight-inch tall boy with sandy blonde hair and blue eyes, he was gone. Maybe he had just wandered from the pool area. But all of his clothes were found at the pool. So we have a six-year-old boy with no clothes or shoes missing. And that does not look good at all. So they bring in the helicopters. They bring in the horses. They find nothing. even bring in a psychic who actually tells the family that he was dead. His mother couldn't sleep. She said, I'm in complete limbo. And that limbo would last for at least a year when the truth about Murray's disappearance was revealed.
1: So on a night in August the following year, almost a year to the day, a 16-year-old boy walked into the Leavenworth Police Department just after midnight to tell officers where they could find Murray's remains. And he said... They could find them along Santa Fe Railroad tracks on the southwestern edge of downtown. There, on the surface, authorities found some bones. They dig a few inches into the dirt and found more bones. They sent the bones to the FBI lab in Washington, and they confirmed that they were Murray's. And his body was buried in the Fort Leavenworth National Cemetery. His parents remember him was a music loving boy who had just started taking organ lessons. I mean, he was six. He was sharp. And mostly they recall that he loved just
3: being a kid. I just realized. Yeah. So, this 16 year old boy that turned himself in was John Williams. But due to the fact that he was considered a juvenile at the time, there were really no details that were released that we can really elaborate on. The newspaper reports simply that he confessed to, quote, acts which an adult court would consider felony murder. So he confessed to murder, but
1: because he was 16, they won't say how or why. So it's not like we can draw. Yeah, we can't draw like a ton of
3: parallels to the other things he's done. But that's, quote, what they said in the paper. And after he was released, he would attempt to kill again. It turns out that right before he started his job at a printing shop, he had been paroled from a Missouri prison after kidnapping and sodomizing a boy from St. Joseph, Missouri. He was 21 when he did this, and he abducted the little boy off the street, tied him to a bed, and raped him. The little boy waited until John fell asleep, and he escaped, running down the street naked, screaming for help. And as this happened, John actually woke up and he started chasing after him, but he was caught by onlookers and he spent nearly 15 years in prison for what he did.
2: So that's yeah. what I remember hearing. It wasn't the female that escaped. It was um, this little boy that escaped.
1: And it's so eerily similar to yeah. Joanna's case. Yeah. yeah. It's so like, I just got chills and I'm like holding my arms because yeah. I'm like, oh, like what? and this little boy was like, he was also like six.
4: When I first read this, I thought of uh, Dahmer. Yeah. I remember, remember the right. guy that escaped from Dahmer and then the cops actually delivered Brought him, him back, back to Dahmer. Because <laughs> he didn't speak English very yeah. well. Oh, yeah. 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 And Dahmer is just like, no, he's with me. He's my boyfriend, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: But this is crazy because it's like, I mean, let's count the ways. You kill a little boy and this is what's, this is what's screwed up about people's records being sealed. Yeah. Um. And I, I do think children, their brains aren't developed, and I think that they're they deserve to have their records sealed under s- certain circumstances. But when it's like this, yeah. and then you're out immediately, and then you do something like this, it's like you're you're not um, deescalating.
4: No, no, no. There, there there's a programming there, and I am I am a big proponent of people being rehabilitated. But there needs to be an, uh, something there. There needs to be an asterisk. There needs to be something that says, look into this person a little bit more. Because they're going to do it when they're younger. And we know that. And then they're going to do it when they're older.
1: Right. And it's a miracle that this little boy survived, honestly. Then he chased him.
4: Yeah. So and here's the thing. We have no idea how many other people he hurt in the years since he'd been out of prison. And the other—I mean, there there were other women in that area who had vanished, and he was a suspect. Could could this—could could they have gotten into Williams' trap? Because obviously, he's out trolling. He's looking around for people that are—their car is broken down. He's probably, you know, trolling the bars after 2 a.m. This This is his M.O., So anybody that's coming up missing, they're going to be looking at him, but they can't prove anything. And the only reason why he's on anyone's radar is because Joanne
2: escaped. Yeah. And I, this is like the unknown serial killer of Kansas City. To me, that's what he is. I, I can't imagine that. I mean, technically the FBI definition of a serial killer is two, two. It's two now. It used to be three. Now it's two. With a cooldown period in between. Yeah. So
1: he's two.
2: He does have two. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: He has two. And then he would have had three and four yeah. had they not escaped. We look at uh Joanne and Crystal, for example. There's eight eight months between Crystal's disappearance and Joanne's abduction. And we have I mean, only because of incarceration, we have an an abduction and murder in nineteen nine uh nineteen seventy six yeah. and then I mean, he was released. It was in like 1979 I think no, it was in eighty one I'm sorry. it was nineteen eighty one. this other one happened with this little boy who escaped, and it's like he's doing it as soon as he gets out yeah. like as soon as he yeah. can
4: so the yeah so the big question is is like how much is he satiated from those trophies and splicing in the porn and everything like that? is he has he gotten two or three other victims in between uh, Crystal and Joanne?
1: Well, and he's dating women in between, yeah. which oh. is insane. And that's always what boggles my mind. It's like people who are dating these men, they are able to compartmentalize and yeah. and truly just like keep these these weird facades going secret. Yeah.
2: And and I just want to point out that whenever people try to justify incels, like, well, maybe if a girl just dated him, it would be okay. This guy's dating women. It's uh-huh. not okay.
3: Also, that should never be a fucking thing.
1: I
2: know. It's an <laughs> incel, crazy shit.
3: So Joanne,
1: when she initially went to tell the police her story, she told them explicitly, he said, this is why he did it. I'm doing it my way now. I'm sick of being rejected. The police didn't take it down in her statement. And so when she had to go to trial, she would be like, they didn't write it down. Although she got justice in this case. After this case, she immediately was sent to jail for something, like a weird infraction. It's like they had no compassion for her after what she'd been through. This isn't a real name, so I'm not going to give it to you to search it. But I searched her real name multiple times, and it was only like, in jail, parental dispute. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Be like,
3: or fucking survivor.
1: Or she's troubled now because of what she's been through. And you just see how her life went afterwards. And it's so unfair and yeah. fucked up. Yeah,
4: Because she saved other lives. I have no doubt about it oh, that 100%. she saved other Absolutely. lives. Yeah, 100%. So during the trial for the rape of Joanne Williams is evaluated by a psychiatrist. And he said that, quote, Mr. Williams is at a very high risk for future violent sexual assaults. And his next crime, this is a quote, will be serious enough for life without parole. This particular defendant is perhaps one of the most violent individuals to come before this court in some time you think yeah. and he's found guilty on all counts but remember Crystal's body is still missing Crystal's mother Anna took a leave from work it was affecting her health she raised money for reward. she contacted Unsolved Mysteries and you know although they hadn't found Crystal it wasn't for nothing because the local DA was able to bring charges against johnny williams for the murder of crystal even though they didn't have a body and we see this sometimes especially uh me and you alexis working on tv and justin you you as well that sorry you too jack sorry jack you you don't see this that much but um it's a matter of whether a da has enough confidence in him or herself and how they can pick the jury whether they'll they're able to get a murder you know, it really d- is based on whether they have that sort of gumption of whether they'll be able to do it or yeah, not. A nobody conviction. conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: This is good,
1: it. though. Like, yeah. based on what happened to Joanne Absolutely. and what they found. Yep.
2: This is a solid case.
1: And like, what happened to his victims in the 1970s.
4: Yeah. No, it's it seems like what else did happen to her. He had all of her her stuff there.
3: Prosecutor Todd Graves said he was planning to file first-degree murder charges against Williams after May 10th, which was the day that he was supposed to meet with Crystal's mother after she was returning from a trip. However, he never got the chance because 39-year-old John Williams, the rapist and murderer, hanged himself with a bedsheet before the charges were officially filed. The suicide of Williams means the true picture will never be revealed to friends and family, And the prosecutor called the suicide the ultimate act of selfishness. I think he did this to keep some kind of a control to the end. And to that, he outmaneuvered us all.
4: The service for Crystal Kipper was scheduled for the fall. And until then, the only visible tribute was a wooden cross on the spot where her car broke down on I-29. So Crystal's mom continued to visit that spot where the cross was, where her car had broken down because she said she wanted to feel close to her. And she talked about how Crystal, like all young people, she wanted to be rich and famous. She said, she has become famous now in a way none of us want to. And Crystal's mother was holding out hopes that her remains would be found so she could lay Crystal to rest.
2: But that never happened.
1: Real quick, did you ever see the wooden
2: cross? Yes, I I pass by it all the time. Uh, the first time I I saw the cross was when I was coming back from St. Joe. And of course, I was going the same route as her, and I saw the cross on the side of the road. And I knew it was hers because I had a pretty good idea where they found her car. And that's where the, the marker is, is essentially where her car was found. It made me feel hollow. It made me feel like there's something missing. And I personally wouldn't want to cross like, I wouldn't want a reminder to people if I was gone. But I, sadly, I think about that mixtape. She, she never wanted to be forgotten.
1: So looking back on the details of this case, you can't help but run through some of the what-ifs. What if Crystal had stopped for gas before heading home? What if John Williams had been fiddling down with his radio, looking down at his lap and not noticed her on the shoulder of I-29? Would he have simply moved on? More likely he would have just killed the next person who popped into his view. But what if this predator had been kept locked up after his first murder, his second attempt at murder. And the cosmic shuffling of the deck caused Crystal Kipper and John Williams to collide on this night. And fate led the police to John's door. When they were searching for Crystal, he had not been on their radar during that investigation. And he might never have surfaced had he not kidnapped Joanne. Maybe the cops would have found him eventually anyway. Maybe he would have slipped up. Or maybe the clues to Crystal's disappearance would have remained John Williams' secret forever. But they didn't.
2: So what did we learn today? I learned all kinds of details about the perpetrator here. that I had no idea. I had no idea about his past. Uh, I had no idea that the woman that actually escaped from him got the shaft later in life.
3: Well, and the fact that she put herself in even more danger to find his identity to save other lives in the future and then still was scared that she wouldn't be believed. Like that fucking sucks. She
2: solved a serial killer case.
3: Justin, the overview of kind of these details, the
1: little boys, did you know about that?
2: I had no idea. I just thought this was just some sick, Sicko who started targeting women, and Crystal was his first victim, and Joanne was the second. I had zero idea, and
3: that's crazy because probably nobody else in your city had any idea either. But it was a not if just budding, but would have was a serial killer.
2: And and if you gave me this case today, I'm like you. I'm like, no, this is obvious. This guy had a pattern, and he was doing this, and he probably has other victims. Back then, no clue. It it really saddens me when I hear that these serial killers take their own lives too. Because I, I you know, I think of Israel Keys. Yeah. Just gonna, yeah, oh my god. Uh, so fucking sick. Um you know, there's no justice.
3: Nope.
2: And it sucks that I have that point of view that there's no justice in the world and life is unfair and horrible people get away with horrible things and good people get killed.
4: Yeah. I mean I'm I'm with you, Justin. I just you know it it pisses me off to no end that these guys are able to to grab that last bit of control and say i'm going to i'm going to go away with these with these secrets and i'm going to take them to the grave
1: Justin real quick so were you into true your crime younger
2: i was in a, a band with a friend And we would make really dark ambient music and we would sample in like serial killers and stuff into the music. Mm. But I wasn't really into true crime and I wasn't following those kind of things. You know, everyone thought, you know, oh, serial killer, that's kind of cool. Whatever you passively pay attention, but I was not into true crime at all. And this was my first exposure to that, that kind of, uh, and it's, you know, obviously very 1 degree separation here so it was it, it I guess it's why I would never start a comedy podcast about true crime because I felt I felt it firsthand yeah this is uh, this is probably the first time I was exposed to anything like this and it did make me interested in how police do investigate crimes it makes me think about what the victims go through what the surviving victims families go through and I I just, I always just think, how would I speak of this? How would I feel about somebody else speaking about a friend of mine or how, you know, I just try to put myself in somebody else's shoes, like the victim's family and stuff. If if I'm speaking about it, how am I going to make them feel?
1: How did you feel about how people spoke about Crystal? Uh,
2: You know, when, when some people bring up her, her dancing and stuff, uh, you know, they, they try to. I think that's all disparaging because who cares what she did? And she it was a very short stint that she did that. And who who am I to judge if she danced on a stage? So I'm somewhat protective of her because the crystal I knew wasn't that. The crystal I knew was very kind, very generous, and, and deep. So when I hear about people uh, talking about any victim, I just think show some goddamn respect. Yeah. I mean, we see it, we see it so often.
4: I think the true crime community um, in the podcast world has done a really good job of bringing these stories out to the forefront, but we see it in media where they still won't cover stories of, of people that, that might have occupations that they don't approve of, or they feel like will not be um, relevant or will not resonate with with most of America and it's bullshit because, yeah. you know, I think the term has been, you know, the lesser dead, it's been called, you know, and, um, you know, everybody has a, has a, has a right to that. And these stories
2: are the ones that, <sighs> that need to be told. I just wish we could tell all of them. Yeah. And when, when it comes to the generation, Y I think that's why we are the format we are. We don't go into the gruesome details. We don't, uh, try to make a joke about anything we just want to give you the evidence give you the story and just try to do it respectfully
1: yeah and i've listened i listened today to the abraham shakespeare episode Mm -hmm. which is so good yeah I mean you t- I asked you which your favorite was and yeah. you said that one and you have I mean that was like 239 Yeah. So wow. you have many and you mm-hmm. you chose that one as your favorite episode. Yeah.
2: We have over 300 episodes. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: so but totally but why true. is that one you I mean I was like I loved it and I was familiar with that story. Uh-huh. Um but what why did you like that episode so much?
2: So in the story of Abraham Shakespeare he was uh, he was essentially a homeless man uh, working at a barbershop sweeping up the hair clippings and he was doing some side job with another guy. They bought a lotto ticket and he ended up winning $30 million ish yeah. on that lotto ticket. And from day one, the guy that was with him that bought the lotto ticket tried to say it was his. And then
1: he was illiterate. He couldn't read or write.
2: Just thinking about Abraham and that one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, it was heartbreaking.
2: He was a giver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's...
1: people try to take him just like at every step. Mm.
2: So from the day he bought the lotto ticket, people were trying to take advantage of him. And it'll end up being his fate, his demise.
3: It was a fascinating episode. Damn. It was really good. Generation Y, guys, so good. Justin, thank you so much for being our wonderful first degree guest. Awesome. We appreciated you coming all the way to LA. I know you just came for us just Pretty to much. be on our podcast <laughs> obviously <Yeah. laughs> what else do you have to do here yes um if you guys want to follow justin well number one go listen to the generation y podcast it is one of the best true crime so podcasts good. they've been doing it since 2012 i cannot believe that oh
4: geez <laughs>
3: oh geez um follow them on instagram at generation y podcast and then his other podcast at the underscore Peripheral underscore podcast. <laughs> the peripheral podcast,
2: his yes. other podcast, which yeah. is awesome.
3: Facebook group is also great.
2: Yeah. Which yeah. I'm
1: in.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For some uh yes. for some combos. Um follow us at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at JackBiannik. If you guys are one degree away from a murder or other stranger than fiction story, please write us hello at the first degree podcast dot com and go buy some merch on our merch store linked in our website finally or on our instagram um it's it off and join yeah. our facebook group
4: so until next week remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close but, but, but not, not that, that close, close.